This episode is with special guest Carrie Mallorca of the beloved Bloom Yoga Studio in Chicago. And in this episode, we explore how to give yourself permission that you can't do this wrong, that how we do self-care is more important than what we do, why first graders are better at meditation than you are, and being brave to do what's enough and not more. Hello and welcome. You're listening to the Embody Podcast, a show about remembering and embodying your true nature, inner wisdom, embodied healing, and self-love. My name is Candice Wu, and I'm a holistic healing facilitator, intuitive coach, and artist sharing my personal journey of vulnerability, offering meditations and guided healing support, and having co-creative conversations with healers and wellness practitioners from all over the world. This episode is sponsored by my workshops. The next one coming up is July 21st, 2019 in Chicago, Illinois, and it's called Restore the Flow of Love. Whether related to abundance, money, love, relationships, your health or dis-ease, tension in your body, your career, your purpose, our struggles related to these connect with early unconscious and unspoken ways of belonging and the flow of love through the ancestry. So the connection with our lineage is carried through our bodies, in the cells, the viscera, the heart, energy, in our dis-ease, in our fluidity, in our freedom. And where those before us didn't get to integrate a loss or a trauma, where there was an imbalance in relationships, that flow of love is disrupted and is a placeholder for where there's energy, strength, and resource waiting for us to open and for it to flow towards us. So in family and systemic constellations, we constellate and acknowledge these dynamics that are in the undercurrent of the system we're a part of, whether they're known or unknown. So in this workshop, we'll set up several constellations for people who are interested in seeing what those underlying dynamics are for the struggles they're having or some area of life that they want something different. And in that, we restore the flow of love allowing you to move from a more natural space, from ease and freedom and embodiment, authenticity, and truth. So if you're interested, check out the workshop at candiswoo.com slash flow of love. If this date has already passed for you, you can check out all the other workshops coming up at candiswoo.com slash events. Hello, everyone. It's great to have you. And I'm so excited to share this conversation with Carrie Mallorca today. Carrie's mission is to inspire you to slow down, to breathe more deeply, and to do a little less. She specializes in teaching gentle and restorative yoga, and that's how we met. I loved teaching restorative yoga at Bloom Yoga Studio in Chicago, and the community, all the people, the space, everything that Carrie touches is infused with this spaciousness, this love, and the simplicity of everyone can do this practice. We all can take a deep breath. So I invite you to do this now, to take this deep breath and to slow down. And I invite you into this conversation with Carrie to be nourished. Carrie is passionate about sharing the depths of her practice in an accessible, individualized, and down-to-earth way 
And she is also the chair of the board for the Yoga Alliance and has been teaching yoga for over 20 years. She loves mentoring both new and experienced yoga teachers to help them authentically shine in their practice and who they are and as teachers. And in September 2019, she'll be co-leading the Nourished Life Retreat in Aspen. And that is complete with gentle yoga, culinary nutrition classes, and a creativity reboot. And she'll share about that in this podcast, as well as you can check out all that information at carrymayorka.com and in the show notes attached to this episode. So with this inspiration of Carrie's presence here, I invite you to slow down right now. To feel a breath. To just take in whatever's here for you. Do a little less as you listen in today. Maybe don't multitask or maybe just slow down a little bit. And I invite you into this conversation with Carrie. Hello, Carrie. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I always love getting a chance to connect with you and really dive into interesting topics. <laughs> I know we talk about such interesting things. Um, I'm so excited to talk to you. And where I met you was Bloom Yoga Studio, Carrie. And it's um, this is a studio that has been just growing. The word bloom is <laughs> just so perfect. It is continually blooming and um, so lovely. And also you've grown even more into different parts of you. I just would like to open the space for you to share where you are on your journey and what you're doing now. Thanks, Candice. I love the word bloom too. And I love it for so many reasons because I think that to me, it calls to mind the cycle of plant life and flowers and growth and that it is something that you know can can change over periods of time and develop in different ways and that's really what is most exciting to me in my own life and you know I founded bloom 15 years ago and I'm you know it's amazing wow. to say that it's hard it's been yeah. so much fun it's sort of flown by <laughs> but I really started it for very particular reasons which are still true today, but have kind of also evolved. And I really founded Bloom because I felt like yoga could be very intimidating for people. And I had experienced the transformational benefits of it for myself. Mm. You know, yeah. The, the practice of the postures, the deep and conscious breath work, meditation. And then for me also a huge, huge part was the restorative poses and relaxation. I know we have that same love of restorative work. Uh, yes. And I just found that it seems complicated to the outside world. And sometimes the imagery of what means yoga and what is that all about? How, who are you? Who, who do you have to be to be able to practice it? I found that so many people never saw themselves in that image and never felt it could fit in their lives. And mm -hmm. so that was really what started the whole place. <laughs> and that's what we've drawn. You know, we've drawn people. Oh, yeah. I've, I just was talking with um, a trainee yesterday uh, on our mentorship call. And he was saying to me, when I told people I became a yoga teacher who've known me for my whole life, 
they could not believe it. And there's just still, there's like this barrier that people think yoga is other. And to me, like you don't need to be able to do anything fancy to be taking a deep breath and slowing down. And that's what I love most about yoga and what I love most about bloom. And as you said, I really believe in a simple approach because I think that that's what works for me. You know, if I make it complicated, if I make it other or too esoteric, I don't even ever get a chance to go Mm -hmm. into the depth, you know, because it just doesn't feel like me. I'm silly. I'm goofy. I, you know, get frustrated. I yell at my kids sometimes and then apologize later. You know, I make bad decisions. I'm a regular person. (laughs) So I think that's really, yeah, like that is the thing I started (laughs) it for. And I learned more about that as we've been open and it's still so true for me today. And, you know, now I'm shifting in different ways, but, um, that's what, that's what I love. That's why I'm still doing this work. It's not because of being able to do any fancy pose. It's not about the splits or balancing on one hand. Like that is not what I'm about. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm about slowing down, Mm -hmm. breathing deeply and just getting quiet. Hmm. I feel that, you know, when I was a teacher there, which I Mm -hmm. just so adore my time there and being just in that energy and with people there and also being a student there at times and just walking in the space is like, Mm -hmm. I'm able to bring my whole self, like the the normal self. (laughs) It's not like I have to cut part of myself off and only be a certain part of myself to fit into yes. this yoga class. <laughs> and it's so refreshing. Yeah. I'm I'm really glad that you felt that. And of course, oh my gosh, we were so delighted and honored to have you teaching at Bloom. And oh, you're you're amazing because Thank I think you. you really embody that authenticity and also that sort of spacious, slow, deep work that I just, you know, whether I was in your class or just being with you, talking with you, I always come away with that feeling. And it's really inspiring. I love that about you. Thank you. I think restorative yoga <laughs> gives me even more permission to do that because it's like, right. this is, this is the yoga. <laughs> like it gives me the format to even go slower. <laughs> so it helps me. But as a teacher, Mm. you have to be brave doing that. I think that, you know, the thing I've found, uh, I talk about this a lot with teachers and just think about this for myself. I've been teaching over 20 years and still I sometimes can go into a class and think, oh, they're going to want more. Oh, yeah. And this is this, this pull that we feel like as practitioners, sometimes we should be doing more you know, the terrible should. Yep. And as teachers, we worry that, oh, they want their butts kicked. So I better, you know, throw in a few more chaturangas and hold, you know, hold all these strong poses longer. And there is nothing wrong with that. I'm, you know, I love exercise and I love stre- strengthening my muscles and working. And I also feel the yoga space gives us one place in our life where it isn't about that. And so as teachers and as practitioners, we should just seize that and enjoy it Mm -hmm. because it might be the only time we get to do it, you know, slow, soft, and still be yourself. You don't have to be so serious and 
It doesn't have to be so sacred. It is simple. It's but profound. Mm. Well, what you're saying, like it is, it is a brave thing to do that, to like cut through Mm -hmm. the expectations that we have on ourselves that the outer world might have on us or what we've, I don't know, somehow it just feels like so distorted. Like somehow we've distorted this image of yoga that is this doing more kicking our butts Mm -hmm. place. And Mm -hmm. yeah, there is a a level of bravery just to do it simply and to say, no, I'm going to be brave Mm -hmm. and not do more. I'm going to be brave and do the simple thing. And what's so amazing about that, when you do that, whether you're a teacher or as a practitioner yourself, when you give yourself permission to do less, is that as you practice it over time, it translates into your real life. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, this morning, for example, I woke up and I had had a plan to do a more active asana practice. And I woke up and I just, I was tired. Like my body felt a little bit drained, but I still really wanted to practice. And so I thought, well, what can I do that honors how I'm actually feeling? (laughs) And, um, you know, but, and gets me that sense of connection. And so I decided I was going to practice my meditation and just do restorative only that day. Yeah. And then the funny part was <laughs> that my youngest child, who's just almost four, she had another idea, which was she wanted to play with me in the morning. <laughs> and so I, my yoga practice became, oh, this is my time to connect with my daughter. I went in, we played babies. We had a lovely time. I got to take a nap because that was part of the game. I was very happy. About oh, that. yeah. And then I said to her, okay, now, you know, now I need to go do my practice. And so I went in and I sat down and I practiced my meditation for a few minutes. And then in she comes, you know, can I sit with you? Aww. And I mean, how oh. how sweet is that? So she, I open up my blanket. She sits on my lap. I, you know, cuddle her in. And she sat with me in meditation for maybe like two minutes, which for almost four year old is a long time. Yeah. And then she scurried off on her way. And, you know, she got to see me advocating for myself to take time to do quiet and stillness. And then she got to, you know, tap into it for a second. And for me, you know, the the me of five years ago would have felt frustrated, resentful um, Mm. and also just sort of like sorry for myself you know, oh, I woke up early and then my daughter took this time for me that I wanted for my practice. But the real life is always happening. And that's where if yoga is only about achieving the poses and doing something, it doesn't really help you in your real life. You're still going to be bent out of shape when, you know, someone at work does something that bothers you or your partner you know, you have a fight with your partner and you're not going to be able to even see that as the yoga, but that is the yoga. And so, you know, you have to have the actual practice and you have to carve out the space and time to, you know, get slow, get still, get quiet and do those practices. And I love my asana practice. It's just become way less important to me than the mindset, which carries off of my meditation and into my life where I can see, Hey, she needs to connect with me right now. That's beautiful. And I want to do that. That's beautiful. And when you say that is the yoga, I love that. Mm -hmm. And what, what can you say more? That is the yoga Mm -hmm. and the mindset. If you think back to what any of the, you know, ancient texts of yoga that 
whatever your tradition and approach, you know, those are there, you know, whether you really resonate with some of these texts or not, they are the, they are the foundation of what you are practicing when you are practicing yoga. And I always like to think about, and when I'm teaching, you know, tell my students that the asana is the vehicle for Mm -hmm. what's actually happening. You know, the asana, the poses themselves, those are not doing yoga. You know, the, Mm, they, we call that that it's, that's the easiest way to call it when we're in a class. That's the, those are the things we practice to get us in our bodies and to connect with the breath and, you know, to also take care it's maintenance. I see asana as maintenance. It's a way to stay a little stronger, a little bit gently mobile and balanced. And then to use the breath to regulate the nervous system. Like those are the maintenance tasks. If it only ends there to me, that that's really, that's shortchanging what I could be experiencing with yoga. I like to think about what is the pose for? You know, why am I practicing a pose, whether it's restorative or active? What am I doing it for? Partly I'm doing it to maintain the body, but I could do that at a gym. So what's the difference? And so to me, I think the difference is the mindset and the idea of, you know, non-harming, of being truthful with ourselves. Like for me this morning, truth was I need a slow, soft practice. And, you know, some days it's, I need to not go to the gym today. I need to do something gentler with myself, or I need to go to bed really early, even though I was planning on doing a little work before bed. It's those kinds of things where you're attentive to what's actually happening rather than putting should over everything you do and operating in a robotic way. To me, the yoga of everyday life is learning to be more intuitive and more connected. And we use what we do in the yoga classroom to develop those skills, to develop greater sensitivity to the body and the breath, and to actually be quiet enough to hear the thoughts. Because most of our daily life doesn't give us the space for that, or we don't take it. We could anytime, but it's hard to take it with you know, what we read and what we do on a device and our work and our family and listening to music and, you know, listening to wonderful podcasts like yours, you know, we're always about input. And when you get on a yoga mat, you know, I practice and teach with silence. Some people use music, even with, you know, very quiet music, you can still access this. But personally, I love to practice in silence Mm -hmm. because it's not input. And then I can hear my thoughts and I can get to know what am I saying to myself? Am I kind? Am I telling myself I'm not good enough? Um, You know, it's that to me is where yoga on a mat, whether it's in a class or in my home practice, it's the way to maintain the body, to regulate the breath and the nervous system, and then to really just physically provide a rest. But it's so much about the mind. And I get some of my, I don't know if this happens to you, Candace, but I get some of my best ideas for writing when I'm practicing, you know, and, and just, oh yeah, like the creativity, (laughs) it's just incredible. They start flowing. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I get it all. (laughs) I get the creativity some days and some days I get the grief or the sadness Mm -hmm. or the anger or whatever, but it's that place to really listen as you're saying. And I love how you're speaking to um, not taking it as a robotic and rigid practice, but as that tool to 
learn the flexibility and mobility in your daily life to be present to what's happening and respond and Mm -hmm. listen to how you're talking to yourself in those moments when you made a plan for something else. Yeah. (laughs) When your daughter comes in and says, can I sit with you? And what happens right in that, that moment and what's needed and honoring that. And it's so interesting how we have segmented that from Mm -hmm. the daily life, like yoga is as a separate thing. Yeah. And it's not. I love that. I love what you said about, it's about flexibility and mobility in daily life. I think that's so true. And you can see the class or the practice at home as the workshopping, you know, you're, you're developing strength, flexibility in your body. And hopefully it comes with you <laughs> after you roll up the mat Yeah, because life is not perfect. And there's this feeling, I think that there has been this thought kind of running through my head, especially with kids, but you know, whether or not you have kids, everyone has busyness or ha- can have busyness in their life. And there can be these times where you sort of tell yourself these stories, like when I'm not so busy, I'll be more present or I'll be more patient. Or when I'm, you know, when this big project ends, that's when I'm going to really recharge and take time for myself. And I, my mission is to in, empower peop, other people and myself continually remind myself that we don't need to wait until things get perfect to find greater peace and well-being. And that we must prioritize that even in the busiest, most demanding, Mm. most stressful times, because otherwise, what's the point? You know, otherwise it is just like you said, it's such a separate thing. And what I like about yoga is it's not, it doesn't feel separate to me. It feels so integrated because, you know, it's a reminder, just why not just take a deep breath now? And why not just when you're tired in the afternoon, you know, lie down for 10 minutes and and see, you know, I, I, I think it's just, it's so awesome. It's such a great practical tool, but like you said, it's, it's seen as this other thing that we do when we're wearing yoga clothes. You know, it's like when we have a bunch of props and yoga clothes and we're like in a certain mindset, but it can be so much more than that. Absolutely. Well, and yoga in itself means union and it is that integration of everything, not a separate practice. And I love how you're saying this. We don't need to wait until things get perfect to find greater peace and well-being. And I definitely hear myself say at times, like when this, when this week's over, Mm -hmm. because it's so busy, I'll do the X, Y, and Z, or when this ends, or when I'm not so busy. And now I'm just hearing that as you say it, just giving myself the cue that that is my signal mm-hmm. that I need to look at. How did I get here to begin with? And let's take that breath because <laughs> it happened. That's one part of the practice first. Yeah, <laughs> right. It already like I got here. I I likely created that. <laughs> <laughs> not to blame, you know, no. not to shame or blame or criticize ourselves, but um, yeah. I, I was just reading one of your articles about fear being your CEO mm-hmm. or like not letting fear be your CEO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's probably the times I let fear be my CEO that I got there to begin with mm-hmm. where I maybe overloaded again, but to take the breath and just come out of it in the moment. Yeah. And you're so right. It's totally not about blaming in any way. It's That's not the point because actually 
the only way you can ever make a change is if you are aware of it. And that was sort of an interesting thing for me in my, when I first came to yoga, you know, when we first practiced meditation, even in very small doses, I found it to be torturous because the way my mind was working at that time was, it was a scary place to be because I just was like, I was just yelling at myself. I was just berating myself mentally. And, you know, from the outside, you wouldn't have known that. And I've always been a very positive, upbeat, you know, kind of can-do person. But once I got quiet enough, then I was realizing, oh my gosh, I am not nice to myself mentally. Um, and so I think that when you do realize something like that, like, oh man, how did I let busyness take over? You know, I've really tried to remove the phrase when someone asks me how I am, I really try hard not to ask, not to answer it by saying I'm busy. Oh, crazy busy, so busy, because it does something to me. It it activates me in a way that is <laughs> I don't want to buy into. Yeah. However, there are times when I look at my schedule in my life and I think, huh. If I could go back and do this again, I would do it differently. I'd structure, you know, take this piece out or space out these big events. Mm -hmm. But being able to say that, even when you're in the moment, you're, you're feeling the stress, you're really feeling like, wow, that was not a decision I would make again. That is powerful. And that is progress because at a certain point in your life, you had that same scenario and didn't even see it. And so that's what I like to think about whenever I'm having a moment where I'm feeling frustrated with myself and thinking, I wish I would have done that differently, made a different choice. I think to myself, oh, good. I just noticed that. And even if I can't do anything to change it right now, I've just noticed maybe next time I'll notice and then maybe I'll take action, but maybe not. You know, it takes a lot of time of just noticing before you can ever take action. That's been my experience. Absolutely. Um, and I think that the other thing about that, what is the action? My tendency, I'll speak for myself only, my tendency is one of extremes. And so I am great at being 100% on and just going, pushing, you know, I can just, I can, I, I, I can just go, I can do it. <laughs> and then off, like off sleeping, you know, that's yeah. really good and easy for, for, you know, that's like great on and off is great. It's the in between that's hard. Mm. and. So I think when we think about us getting to this place where we're super stressed, we're feeling more like that 100% and it's not sustainable, it doesn't feel positive. When we think about, well, what could I do to counteract that or help myself get back to feeling of normalcy or feeling, you know, rested and nurtured, the tendency is I need, you know, a, a, an hour and a half yoga class or I need an hour long massage or I need a weekend away or I need, you know, it's, it can seem like the fix to that is something big, mm. but what I have found and what I'm trying to practice and teach is that the fix can be small. So if I only have five minutes to breathe deeply and to just calm myself down, that is really powerful. And if I do that on a more regular basis, I still need the longer thing. You know, I need the long restorative practice. I need time away from everyone to recharge. But on a sort of day-to-day -day basis, you're not going to have those opportunities, most of us. And so what can you find? You can find small moments to breathe, or you can do a 15-minute restorative pose. That is magic. That's like the thing I wish everyone would do. Um, I tell my teachers so much, like, 
just set your timer, lie down, take a pose, 15 minutes and see what happens. You're a different person. It's, it's magic. (laughs) Yeah. Well, every time I do that, even for like two minutes, I'm a different person. Oh yeah. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) Maybe even one or five, 30 seconds. Even a few, even three deep breaths. I mean, sometimes if I'm with my kids and I'm feeling like I'm just up to my eyeballs in it, and I'm so strug- struggling, I'm struggling to be kind and compassionate and patient, I will take even one breath, I'll take a breath, I'll exhale through my mouth and feel the tension releasing from my shoulders and my neck, soften my jaw. And then I sometimes, not all the time, have the presence of mind to say to them, I'm sorry, I've been a little frustrated. I'm feeling tired. Um, I didn't get enough sleep. Or I'm feeling a little bit stressed because I have this thing due later and I was thinking about that. And that's amazing when I can do that. And some days I just plain can't, but at least I took the breath. (laughs) Absolutely. I love how encouraging you are to yourself now and, and even just noticing the thing that you'd like to change and encouraging yourself that you noticed it and Mm -hmm. that that's a good thing. We don't, (laughs) we don't do that as a whole society. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, well, that should have changed years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Why didn't it, right? Well, I do have some of that too. (laughs) Yeah. Don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I was, I was curious, Carrie, what, what are you struggling with today? What are you hustling with or what feels up in the air for you Mm. of your learning? I think that the thing, the thing I'm always struggling with is, my relationship with time. I think that I am a person that fills up the space I'm in and full, you know, fully loves and embodies what I'm in and doing. And I tend to want to put more into everything. You know, I'm a more person. I think it's, it's mm-hmm. this, this struggle with more. <laughs> I'm really, I'm really trying to find enough. And to and yeah. to see like what would be enough to do today in this time I have, um, you know, like in my own in my own work life, I can set a, a list of you know five things I want to accomplish in a two hour period and think that's realistic. <laughs> so you know, yeah. it's like this evolution of what if I just did a little less, you know. So I think the reason I teach this stuff is because I'm still working with it myself. It's not, I don't teach it from a place of mastery. I teach it from a place of process and of of this really strong conviction that there are lots of people who have the same struggle of more. And for those of us who are more people, the practice is how can I do a little less and find enough? And so I think that that's, that's really where I am and I see it in a lot of different aspects of my life, um, just sort of my my professional goals for myself, you know, my with my writing or with, you know, projects I'm taking on that piece of it. I see it with what I want to try to do with my kids. I see it with my own, you know, personal practice and sort of self-care time. And it's just always this balance. It's like, what what would be enough right now? Mm. I just take a really nice deep breath with that. Mm. How do I do a little less and find enough? Mm-hmm. I struggle with that too, with time. And the most recent thing that happened for me 
in my healing process about time is that I found that it connected with my young self. Mm. Well, again, right? Like this is like <laughs> layers and layers of working with uh-huh. this. <laughs> but here's, here's another piece. Like my younger self, it came back to the same thing in a deeper way that um, there was a feeling of wanting more time with my mother when I was younger. Mm. And there were certain circumstances of not, uh, of perhaps me wanting more anyway than the time could give, but also certain circumstances where she had to be away and doing and working. Mm-hmm. Um, certain occasions that when I was an infant and then into young life, and I could just connect with that part of me that it was kind of a life or death feeling mm. that if I didn't have enough time, it would just feel so terrible and I needed more, I needed more, I needed more. And that just applied to the rest of my life blindly, you know, where I would just fill it with more, but it never really satisfied that. Mm-hmm. So if filling my, my time with more was satisfying to the, <laughs> to the part of me that needed it, then, then it would have been complete. Right. And I wouldn't actually need more. Right. <laughs> but still I was needing more. So what was that more that I needed? What do I need more of? Mm-hmm. But what does time actually give me more of? And for, for me, when I was younger, it would have given me more love, more attention and more nourishment. And so now I try to just skip to that the self-loving for my younger self and then what kind of nourishment do I really need right now and feel that I can give myself all the time in the world for that is for me very healing. Wow. That is so beautiful. I love that perspective. And I think, you know, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's really profound. And I think that regardless of kind of that, whether that feeling is there as an, as a child or as, you know, as an infant, there's something that's so universal in the part about kind of more love for yourself too, you know, like Mm -hmm. regardless Mm -hmm. of whether, where that came from, that's, you know, I, I really love what you shared. I'm going to, I'm going to ponder that. (laughs) Um, And I, and I know that what you said about, giving yourself more just never does it. It just fills you with more stuff. Like it's just more stuff. (laughs) And sometimes it just becomes even more distractions and more challenges and more, more ways to take you away from your true self. Um, And I love your Mm. choice of the word nourished. And that has become a really powerful word for me. Just in the last few months, um, I started working with my dear friend, Laura McCall, and she's um, now we're business partners. And we kind of got, came together around this concept of what, what it means to be nourished. Because I was thinking about it, you know, sort of like the word bloom to me meant something really powerful. This word nourished, you know, it's mm-hmm. obviously it calls to mind food. And, you know, I've I try to be conscious about what I feed and put in my body and my own, my children and my, you know, my husband, like I love to cook. That's one of my great passions. And I love to think about food as this really, not just like kind of another should, you know, I should eat the healthy foods that this magazine told me to eat, <laughs> um, you know, mm-hmm. but rather to, again, tap into intuition and to say like, what would really nourish me? not just my physical self, but just sort of would feel like comfort and, and love. 
And so there was that piece of that. And then to me, the, the what we were talking about with yoga, that is the other place that I felt like these self-care practices that have become so important to me. Um, you know, I, I was doing a lot of the same stuff for many years, like yoga, massage, you know, running or, or hiking or biking or being in nature or taking a nap or like, you know, all these different reading a book, all these different self-care type practices were in my life. But I, I realized it was with a very different mindset. And you can do you can, quote, do yoga or, you know, go get a pedicure or go f- for a hike and you can do it in a way that's kind of checked out. Like there's a way to do those self-care things but to be a little bit mentally checked out and Mm -hmm. they don't have the same impact. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's about how we do them. And so this idea to me is how can we create a feeling of nourishing our whole self? So of course, with good, healthy food, and then with whatever our movement practices, for me, it's gentle and restorative yoga. That's and my end meditation. Um, But then also like, what are the other pieces of our life that help to nourish us? You know, it's, to me, a connection with nature and being, you know, being active, moving, you know, being strong, and then also bringing in this sense of creativity. Like, do we have things that are just for pure joy, not work? I'm a person who can get all wrapped up in my work and in my, you know, family's like responsibilities. And then I find I just feel depleted. And so when I go and take time at night Mm. after everyone's in bed, I'm done with everything and I sit down at the piano and I just play piano for a little bit or I write a poem Mm. or I sit just in front of the fireplace with tea and I just not for long. It doesn't have to be an hour. It can be 20 minutes. You know, it can be five minutes if that's all I have. But when I bring these nourishing practices in and I think about them from a different perspective where it's not about, well, I should really get my hike in or I should really get my yoga in. Um, it, it feels really different. And it, you give yourself permission to trust that what you choose to do is going to be enough. You know, I think a lot of times there's a lot wrapped up in why we do these things, like why we practice yoga or, or do exercise or eat healthfully. A lot of times it comes from this kind of self-bullying self-shaming place of like, well, if I don't, Mm. maybe my body will change in a way I don't like. And, you know, I have been there. I've been through a lot of struggles with that body image and unhealthy disordered eating and like plenty of things, you know, in my early twenties was a major struggle. And this mindset shift is what enables you to love yourself and to trust that loving and nourishing yourself, your whole self, that is always a good move. (laughs) You're never going to regret that decision. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Loving your whole self is always a good move. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Absolutely. And just to emphasize what you're saying is how we are doing things is the most important, not what we're doing. Mm -hmm. and. Yeah, when I hear myself saying, wait, why do I want to do this? Well, if I don't, then, and that is 
my cue that like, wait a minute, <laughs> it's not really a uh-huh. good reason because it's not very loving. <laughs> exactly. It's like a punishment reward mentality. Mm. And it's this threat or worry or yeah, it's it, and it's so you don't you can't even recognize it as that until you really dive in and see it. Mm-hmm. You know, because of course, like we know we want to you get one body. So you want to make sure you keep it healthy. Um, but I think that it's really about trust. You know, it's about trusting that you know better than whatever the latest thing has come out in any diet or exercise magazine. Like there's just, those things change all the time because they're selling magazines. Like (laughs) experts are selling books. Like, you know, I think it's a great idea to not put your sort of spiritual development or sort of whole self-development in the hands of someone who's trying to sell you something. Because, oh, you yeah, know, you know better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I try to ignore a lot of things and a lot of input now because, yeah, oh, it's just so much. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it clouds my ability to hear myself. Yes. Yeah. I think that protection from, from what's, what's just being told to us and fed to us is really important mm-hmm. to, so we can hear ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that reminder. Yeah. That we can trust what we know inside and we know better than what someone else might say to us or encourage us even. Sometimes it's not always the right thing, but we need to listen mm-hmm. to ourselves. Yeah. And it's, it's also like what you see when you look around and, you know, those around you, you might feel you're trying to keep up and kind of match what someone else is doing. And, you know, as a person who is a competitive athlete, I have a strong competitive drive. And so for me, just like what you're saying, I really have been, it's a practice of, you know, withdrawal of the senses. It's this coming away from all the input advice, you know, the sort of keeping up with the, you know, this and this or that friend or this or that person to say what's really happening right now and to know that when you tune into that, you are taking care of yourself in the best possible way. And yeah, that's all, that's all that's really, that's what you need. <laughs> that's yeah. So tell me more about your nourished life retreat mm. that you spoke of with, with Laura. Yes. Well, I am so excited about this. So Laura is a culinary nutritionist. She's the founder of Golden Root Nutrition, and she does. I've been so honored and privileged to be able to eat her amazing food. Um, so she really creates and brings this beautiful balance of food that is whole and healthy, and it's it's simple, but it's delicious. Um, and she teaches other people how to do that. And I have learned so much from her myself, you know, just even like how to approach this topic that can seem very overwhelming. You know, if you're trying to eat healthfully for yourself or if you are responsible for cooking for others, there's just so much input and advice and it's overwhelming. So the retreat is going to consist of me leading some gentle and restorative yoga practices a couple of times. And Laura will be teaching culinary nutrition classes, and then we'll be eating the delicious food we make. And then we also um, will be in Aspen, Colorado, which is a gorgeous place 
a really a place of great wild beauty. And we're going in September, which is an incredible time to be there because the trees are all changing colors. The weather is just delightful. Um, and I think a lot of times, too, people have an image of what Aspen is. And there is this other side of Aspen that's kind of the ritzy, sort of glamorous side. But our retreat, we're staying at a family-owned inn um, right in town, and it's just so warm and beautiful. And we're really going to be trying to create this place where it's you bring your real self, your very real, imperfect, perfect self, and we come together for some times of yoga. There's going to be some option to explore meditation every day. And then we'll have these classes where you can just think like, what could I do with my, the way I nourish myself with food that could just make me feel more energized? Laura has this class eating for awesome energy. You know, how could I see the way my food could just contribute to my well-being and be delicious and enjoyable and mm. wonderful? Um, and then we'll also have time to do some connection with nature. So we'll have a, there's this beautiful riverfront path um, and the John Dan Denver sanctuary, which I'm a huge John Denver fan. There's this beautiful place oh. where you can go and kind of look at his lyrics and just sort of reflect on in nature in this beautiful place, um, his, his leg legacy. And then we'll also be going to the top of Aspen Mountain and enjoying a hike there and just a moderate hike, nothing intense, but really more about the practice of being in nature and, and being in quiet in nature. And then the last component of it is we're going to have a creativity night. So I um, I just was writing this piece. It's going to come out in my next newsletter. It's uh, called, Where is the Joy? And it's about this, mm. this rut I started to find myself in where I was kind of going through my everyday life and just, you know, doing all the things I had to do, even doing my self-care practices, you know, I'm vigilant. Like I, I have to get that in. It's very important to my mental well-being as well as my physical. So I don't miss it. But it was like, okay, my self-care practices of yoga and meditation and, you know, exercise or hiking and, you know, doing my family obligation things, you know, getting my kids to where they need to go, cooking, mm -hmm. preparing, you know, doing all the things around the house. And then, you know, doing my work, my actual work work uh, for the yoga studio, for my own new writing ventures for the retreat. And then, you know, the end of the day comes and it was just like, wow, that's it. That's all I got left. And I started to feel this sense of, you know, mm. you go through the day. Do you feel like you're doing your day? You know, do you feel like you're just sort of checking everything off the list? And is there any room for joy? Mm -hmm. Is there any room for things that have no purpose? but to nourish you and, and help you feel more alive. And so we'll have this one night, just an hour, where we will gather by the fireplace and you'll be invited to bring, you know, a craft if you have one or a journal if you like to doodle or write or, you know, that kind of thing. Or we'll have a, a very simple creative activity that we'll do, we'll provide it. And it's just going to be a very small little time to be kind of quiet and to focus on doing something that, again, doesn't have a purpose. It's not about making an amazing work of art. It's just about tapping into how creative creativity nourishes you. Um, so I'm just so excited. I, I, I am like over the moon excited about it. And 
Laura's amazing. I'm so honored to work with her. And yeah, I just, I, I can't wait. <laughs> I love that. I love this and I can feel your excitement and it's just reading the details as well and hearing you speak about it now, especially this creativity night. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the aspect of doing that together Mm -hmm. and it sounds like that the space is open, that it's an individual or group you know, with other people kind of experience, Mm -hmm. but just being together with that intention of creativity sounds really lovely. And and that joy without a purpose. Yeah. It's so important in our lives. And for me, it was life changing to bring in joy without a purpose. Yeah. It was like, wait, I can, I can actually do that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have to be, you know, don't wait for someone to tell you to do it. You know, right. when we're kids, it's so easy. It's so easy to just choose things that are just joyful and, you know, like, what are you doing it for? No, just for fun. And as adults, like, we don't need to wait until someone says, just go have fun or just do this thing because it's enjoyable. It's, we need to, we need to advocate for ourselves to do that. We do. (laughs) We do. So how can people um, join the retreat or get more information? Where can people find it? We have our website at getnourished.life and we have all the information about the retreat there and we're keeping it very small. We're only having 12 spots. So get to it (laughs) if there's interest. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's where you can learn more and then can um, register. And I also just wanted to share about it. I, I've had the experience with retreats myself, this kind of like abrupt shift from my perfect retreat self to my mm-hmm. imperfect daily life self. You know, for me, going away from my family, being in control of my time, not having work to do and eating healthy, delicious food and like, you know, doing yoga and meditation, all these things, it can feel like for those few days, I'm like perfect. You know, I'm my idealized self. And I was, Mm. you know, Laura and I have been talking about this a lot about how we really want you to feel like when you're on this retreat, you are your regular whole self with all of your pieces. You know, it's about being real and it's about whatever is going on in your life is still there and that's okay. And you can still engage in these practices um, in a way that just feels manageable. So we're not doing, you know, six hours of yoga a day and we're not doing, you know, a three hour long intense hike. It's like, we're doing little mini doses of everything. And then we're giving you practical tools so that when you go back to your daily life, our hope is you just will bring in just a tiny bit, like a little bit of something. And so I yeah. think that, you know, well, when people feel called to kind of escape you know, like we're really trying to make this retreat not an escape. You know, it's about being in your life, but just trying to bring in to invoke some different ways of of being with yourself. So we're thinking about it as this, you know, just a part of your life that is this sort of like recharge. We want to recharge the batteries so you can go back to your real life and let some of that nourished spirit infuse your day. Mm. I feel that very much. It's like not this get away, escape from reality. Mm-hmm. It's 
let's incorporate and let's weave in and also not make this an experience that's undigestible, but one that's simple. Right. And reminds you of the simplicity being enough Mm -hmm. and that you can just bring one little thing into your life and see what it does. Yes. Beautiful. Thank Thank you. you. I'm so excited for you and everyone that's going to be on the retreat. And I also want to, I want to hear about your mentorship for yoga teachers. Oh, thank you. Yes. I am so excited about this. I've been training teachers uh, since 2011 and I, I love working with teachers, whether they're brand new or now I also lead a gentle yoga teacher training And so that's for established teachers and helping them really explore this approach I'm talking about, this gentle, softer approach. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing that for many years. And this um, winter, I just launched my very first online mentorship program for teachers of any level of experience. And we we just wrapped up our first session. And it's a combination of a monthly, over four months, a monthly video conversation around a particular topic. Um, And then I send out a follow-up that kind of talks about what we, the the key points. It also includes a 30-minute mentorship call with me directly one-on-one, which I've so enjoyed those conversations. They've been Mm. so rich. And I just really like this. It's, I kind of, one of my, one of my mentors or mentees who was just in the program said, this is like grad school for yoga teachers. And I was like, I love that. Oh, you know, it's cool. just, like we're, we're, we're doing this kind of, I, I surveyed a bunch of my, you know, past trainees before starting to say like, what are the topics that you most need? Like, what do you most need a refresher on and sort of more support both from me and from the fellow um, people in the teacher circle mentorship group? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of picked those topics and grouped them in ways that felt logical and reasonable. But so much of it is to me really about being intentional and mindful about what are you doing in your teaching and why? And then even more important, how's your practice? Because all of us as teachers, the further along you go, you know, it's it's common for people to lose sight of the importance of their practice and to let their teacher self overtake their practitioner self, and you've got to be a practitioner first. And so the mentorship group is really about all of those things. And we have like a Google group that we sort of, I offer little sort of tips or reminders throughout the month between calls and then others share. And oh my gosh, our, our, the people who are in this group, they are so wise. I mean, I just, I love it. So I, it has been a total delight and I'm going to run another one um, starting September through December. So I'll be opening that up soon for registration. But I just love it. I love working with teachers to refine. Oh, to refine. that's so great. Yeah. And you have so much wisdom to share, especially that part where you talked about um, teaching from your process mm-hmm. and from process rather than mastery. I just imagine that helps so many people because we're all in process. We're yes. not, we're not done. Yep. And that's, that's exactly whole and right yeah. right now. So I just, I appreciate the space you're creating and so glad that, that you're doing this. Thank you, Candace. 
Well, and there's one more bit that um, I'm so excited for on the podcast is that you're offering an experience for yes. people to join into. Um, this will be an extension of this episode. And this episode is going to be found at candisfree.com slash Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y. And um, so you're offering an experience or a meditation or some sort of guided practice uh, do you want to say more about it now or do you want to leave it as a surprise as it comes out? I think I'd like to leave it as a surprise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as an exploration. That's delightful. <laughs> yeah. I love that you offer Let's these. See what emerges. I love, love, love that you offer these. I think it's just a great way. I think so much of this type of work can seem really just inaccessible or, or just sort of mystical or too out there. And like, when you offer these experientials, yeah. you're taking, I've listened to many of the ones that you've offered. I just think they're lovely. And that you take these ideas and concepts and you immediately make them felt and embodied just like the name of your podcast. So I really love that you do that. And I'm so mm. excited to share. I can't wait. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to experience yours. I know that exactly it's like we talk about these concepts in our minds and that is the way we can communicate across audio yes. across yeah distance and time and yet the real thing the real practice itself is the being in it so i can't wait to hear that and experience that with you um and is there anything else you want to share today i would like to thank you for having me and to thank you for your friendship and for all of the really amazing explorations that we've had together over the years. Oh. I just think I'm inspired by the work you do and the way that you do it in a way that isn't rigid or about kind of perfecting one thing and then delivering it. Again, that sort of robotic Mm. nature mm -hmm. but how when I talk with you I feel more inspired to be more fully who I am and I love that about you and so I'm very grateful to you for inviting me to have this conversation in this way and I look forward to our continued conversations and friendships and to all the different ways that we're going to keep learning more about ourselves and you know and, and then hopefully in the process just inspire more people to do that and love themselves more. Mm. Thank you so much. That's really touching, Carrie. And I have so appreciated our friendship and our companionship. And every time I talk to you and we exchange our personal lives and what's going on and just what we're thinking about, I walk away with this feeling of, wow, Carrie notices one simple thing, and that just makes such a huge difference to me. And then it gives me that feeling of noticing more of the little things in my life and recognizing how important those are and how that's enough. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Candace. I really appreciate you. And I appreciate you too. And your wonderful Embody podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I, have, I do have one more question, if it's okay. Yeah, of course. I would love for you to talk about how first graders are better at meditating. 
than we are. <laughs> I loved that article. Did you like that? I did. It was so like delightful. And I just would love for you to share it with everyone listening today if they haven't read this or just your thoughts on it now. <laughs> oh, that was so much fun. I So when my daughter, my my middle daughter was in first grade, I was invited to come to the class and you know, share some yoga with the kids. And I did this, I've done this with, um, you know, all of my kids where I've gone to their school and just taught a little yoga until they got too embarrassed to have me come. (laughs) (laughs) My son's in seventh grade now. That is not cool now. Uh, But (laughs) I will say my kids do sometimes grab our yoga pretzels partner deck and do partner yoga together. And that makes me so happy. But um, back then I was invited to come to her class and I'd been teaching them yoga and all these wonderful kind of kids yoga adaptations and techniques. But what I found they loved the most was the relaxation at the end. And I would always do a guided visualization that just helped them relax and seeing their little faces like it was magic. And so I thought, well, you know, why shouldn't I just give them more of that? That's what they want. And so I decided I was going to also teach them meditation. And I was like, all right, this seems a little intimidating. You know, how are they going to do? Everyone associates first first graders with being really wiggly and (laughs) high energy, and they are. (laughs) So we went out. um, We were really fortunate to be able to do this in the garden. So we went out to the garden at our school. And I said to them, you know, okay, so we're going to do our yoga. And then at the end, let's try some meditation. And I had a bunch of kids just shoot their hands up into the air like, I know about meditation, cross their legs, put their hands into a mudra, close their eyes, and then go all like really peaceful and serene, just like they owned it, like they've been doing it forever. And and they were like, I'm so good at meditation. I do meditate. They were so excited about it. And so that just kind of tickled me a little. And I thought, okay, well, let's see how it goes. When we got there to that part of the practice, they all took their seats, they got quiet. And, you know, these very wiggly bodies really became still. And, you know, I don't know what was happening for them in their heads. I don't know how much this stuck with them or didn't. But the reason I wrote that piece, why first graders are better at meditation than you are, is because they were 100% unintimidated to just try it. And they completely Mm. put themselves in it for the, you know, however many minutes, two, three, five minutes that we did it. They just like embodied meditation and without any, you know, any other sort of inner voice telling them that they're not doing it right, they don't know enough, is this really meditation? And that's been my experience as an adult until the, you know, up until the last like 10 years of my practice. So halfway through my experience of being a practitioner was when I finally got comfortable with meditation. I just never felt like I could really do it until finally one day, one teacher gave me permission and she said, you can't do this wrong. And I realized like, Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's what the kids really got. They weren't worried about whether they were doing it right. They just did it. And so that's what I would love for anyone who's even curious. If the word meditation is intimidating to you, use mindfulness, use quiet, use stillness, like whatever word works. But I just think that if we could even for two minutes or three minutes or five minutes, just sit or lie down be quiet, maybe close the eyes if that feels safe, but just take some time to go in, we would feel a change and a shift if we did it on a regular basis. 
Um, and that's what I just loved about those first graders. They had moxie, man. They weren't worried about me telling them <laughs> if they were doing it right. They just did it. And they were awesome. They were telling you how to do it. I know. They <laughs> really like, were. This is what it is. <laughs> they really were. Oh. <laughs> and just, you can't do this wrong. Yes. That's a great place to leave and close our podcast today. Thank you so much, Carrie. Just oh can't do gosh. this wrong. Yes, you can't. Let's all go out into our day with that. Thank you so much, Candice. This has been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today and joining us. I just got so many little nuggets of information and insight that can just help me feel into a more easeful space, the softening and simplicity tuning into how first graders can be with their exuberance and joyful delight, playfulness, trust, and just doing enough. Thanks so much, Carrie, for sharing all these pieces of wisdom and doing this in your daily life, not in a perfect way, but as a practice and showing us that it can be messy, it can be in process and we can continue to love and know ourselves more deeply each step of the way i encourage you to check out carrie's work at carriemajorca.com and linked with the show notes of this episode at candicewu.com slash carrie and carrie is spelled k-e-r-r-y be sure to check out carrie's meditation that just takes you exactly where you are with your messy or imperfect perfect life just taking five minutes of your day to be with what is here and to tune into yourself. You don't have to wait to have a perfect life or the perfect setup to do meditation. This simple guided meditation welcomes you just as you are right now, harnessing your distractions and to-dos to create a more spacious and easeful you. Carrie's meditation can be found later this week on the podcast or at candacewu.com Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y. If you'd like to check out other healing experientials or guided meditations and topics and guests on the podcast, you can go to candicewu.com slash podcast. And when you click on each episode, you'll find that there are healing experiences that are connected with either the guest episode or the main topic of the week. Not every week has experientials, but also you can check out the list of podcasts and Uh, You'll find all the experientials there. If you'd like to stay in touch about future retreats, workshops, or receive self-love notes and also the podcast information, you can sign up for the Embody community at candicewu.com slash embody. I'm so grateful to have you here and listening, and I always love to hear feedback, whether that's criticism or questions, ways that the podcast touched you or connects with you. And I'll just leave you with that feeling of simplicity and doing enough that Carrie's so inspired today. So as we close today, I invite you to take a few of those deep breaths and feel into any bit of slowness or slower pace that your body can access now. Thanks so much and see you next time on the Embody Podcast.